0: Welcome to Ace Audio, the podcast that supports, educates, informs and motivates manual therapists around the world. Welcome everyone, Sean Brewster and Bodine Ledin here today talking about challenges of the solo practitioner. Now, this is uh, a situation that so many of us find ourselves in, Bo. Me included, I've been a solo practitioner many, many times in my career. uh, And it is a hugely rewarding job, but also a very challenging position to be in. It can be one pretty isolating. You are an island a lot of the time. You know, if you've got a clinic uh, in the back of a gym, if you've got a little office that you rent somewhere in in an arcade, if you've got a, a home clinic where you work by yourself. These solo practitioner roles uh, can be great financially, like there's very low overheads a lot of the time, uh, and it can be quite a simple way and effective way to run a business, but it can be quite isolating. can be quite lonely. Um, but what, what are some of the challenges you see for the solo practitioner? Let's weigh them up.
1: Yeah, well, I think the biggest challenge um, from what I've seen is that the barriers to learning and progression, you know, when you're in a team environment, you can always bounce ideas off other people and see how others treat and see different perspectives on different conditions and, and injuries and present case studies to others and just get some feedback. Um, you know you can observe you can listen in um, you know you're always right you're in a learning environment all of the time um, whether you like it or, or not it's sort of um, you're going to be absorbing information from other people and different perspectives and you know when you're in when you're working by yourself there sort of is that that barrier to to progression and absorbing information like who do you go to to ask questions or if you get stuck with a patient where do you go from there?
0: Absolutely. And we should probably also clarify too, I guess, is that you can be a solo practitioner, like I said, working in a back bedroom in your house and be very isolated, right? Which is what we're talking about here. Or you can have what you're suggesting, which is, or this other situation, which is where you've got a whole team of practitioners, maybe working it under the same roof. Maybe they're all practicing the same modality. Maybe they're different types of practitioners and you get this cross referral and merging and meshing of ideas. But there's also Situation where, which I've found myself into in the past, where I've been, i uh, worked in a multi modality clinic, but the clinic was not an integrated one. I walked in that door. I barely got the opportunity to speak to anybody there. There was no, there was no conversations in the tea room. There was no uh, networking. There was no um, regular PD that happened as part of the team. It was yeah. just a whole bunch of people that worked under the same roof. And so this is, we've got to be clear, we're not talking about, um, the two, the two camps and one's being better than the other, it's about being in a situation where you can learn from other people, whether that being a multimodal clinic or it is also possible for a solo practitioner to do that if they develop their network, yeah? Like if they've got a good network of practitioners that they work closely with, you could still have those potentially still have those benefits.
1: yeah and that's why I always have recommended to to previous students if they're going to go and work in a clinic make sure it's a clinic that supports your learning and and you know someone that is more experienced that can offer you some professional development or some mentoring or some advice here and there because yeah the last thing you want to do is yeah, work in this great motive multimodal clinic, but you still go in, do your job and and leave and you don't get to to share your ideas with anyone. Um, So it's really important to have that good environment in in a clinic, whether it's, um, yeah, as you said, the clinic of the the same modality or, or different modalities, um, or if you're working by yourself, to be able to to reach out to other practitioners and and have that same um, same sort of shared knowledge and and uh, an area where you can get different ideas and perspectives.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I guess this is this video, this this podcast is uh, just as much a message to people who are considering what kind of practice they want to go into, as it is a message to business or clinic owners who are thinking about trying to build that team of practitioners around them or, or recruiting people into their clinic spaces, what are the things that, that, that those people will benefit from? And I think it's that sharing. It's a yeah. sense of community. It's a sense of um, being part of something that's bigger than you and what you're doing in your room. Yeah. Um, and I know I hear this all the time of people who are promised a role in a clinic, in a bigger clinic, and they're told, oh, yeah, we do regular PD. We learn. We share opportunities. We share ideas. We we workshop case studies. We do. Yeah. That's all part of it. You get that as part of this role. And then they get there and they've been there six, 12, 18 months, two years, nothing, maybe one or two sessions. It's irregular. It's unorganized. Yeah. Yet the opposite of that is true. And you and I both know clinic owners who do this amazingly well. They schedule in PD weekly sometimes. So their staff are getting lots and lots of training, lots and lots of sharing and integrating of ideas. And those, you'll see it every time the same staff. They stay and they stay and they stay because they see themselves going on a trajectory upwards and they feel like they're part of something that's growing, which is great.
1: Yeah, it's the best investment you could make as a business owner is to, to set aside that time every week that no one else has got a, got a patient. Everyone comes along to a case study or a discussion, um, that, you know, you can go through some, some techniques, some presentations, some communication techniques, whatever it may be. It's such a valuable part, but it does have that, that, um, you know, Really good uh, community feel to it or team environment um, aspect. And, you know, when you're looking at longevity of staff and people that want to, um, improve and stay with a with a business, and that's, that's a great way to do it. Um, yeah, cause if you're working, working on your own, I know many people out there are, and they, if you're not actively pursuing professional development, then it can be easy to sort of just, coast along doing the same sort of things and that when people say oh i burnt out i pushed myself too hard well often that's because there's a lack of curiosity or uh, because you're not being stimulated mentally um, therefore you just do the same thing day in day out and it can get boring fatiguing and you just end up re- resenting y- your work
0: 100 yeah and look what what a. Underlying message that sends from the business owner to the staff too, when that, like you're suggesting, put aside that hour, two hours, whatever it be, once a week, once a fortnight, once a month, and they put it aside. And the business essentially stops making money for that period of time. Everybody notices that. All the staff notice we're not generating income for this business. It's costing this business to stay open for this period of time. But my employer, the owner of this place, has done that on purpose to make sure that we keep getting better at what we're doing and provide better service for our patients. What a what a brilliant underlying message that is for the team. Without even having to say it to them, they're going to know that, right?
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, completely agree.
0: Yeah. What about um, this is something that often occurs to me? I guess when you, you when you work in that very um, uh, island-like situation of as a solo practitioner, you're sort of very isolated. It's difficult to get a perspective of d- different standards of care. you might think you're doing a great job and you you possibly and probably are doing a brilliant job with your patients but unless you've got a reference point something else to look to or someone else to look at and kind of go actually the way you do that is amazing or I hadn't thought of doing it like that or you include that as well like those are the things that you might see and be a part of or be around when you're working with other people now it's not to say that the only way and the best way forward is to work in a multimodality clinic. I've done both and there's advantages to both for sure. I really like the solo practitioner situation myself. Without the perspective of having seen other people do things and having that point of reference to model against, I think I would have really struggled. Uh, and I think that that's something to be really wary of. If you have come, come straight out of school, open your own practice, or maybe just, you know, gone into it fairly early in your career and you're quite happy doing your thing, cruising along, doing what you think is a good job, it is definitely worth getting out there and experiencing other people's styles of treatment, approaches to patient care, standards of communication, all of these things, the way they present themselves, the way they present their space, the way they present their, their marketing, their clinic, their, all of these things are reference points for us to look at and go, ah, oh, I like that little bit, I like that little bit, I like that little bit, Put that all together. And now you've got a more well-rounded and holistic approach to what you do. Um, far better that I think than assuming that you can just do it all right from the start.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's those little one percenters, you know. that yep. You know, when you look at the this, everyone pro- charges around the this a, a similar price range. Some might be more, some might be less. But what are those ones that are that are getting all of that repeat business and and that really good reputation? They're doing. They might be charging the same or similar price, but they're doing those little one percenters that are really. Um, planting that seed in a patient's mind about why they're so good and and you know they're going that extra mile they're spending that time just on the following day giving them a call or they're writing up a, an update to their their program or whatever they're doing they're sending them out some some additional resources or a video um, you know all of these these sort of things that can really Um, Improve the patient's um, understanding of of what's going on and the 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 path forward, but also um, the the comfort, the rapport, and the trust that they have with you as a practitioner and and the clinic as a whole.
0: Definitely, yeah. These are the the the, like you said, the one percenters, the little, the small details that you don't think add up to much. You add enough ones together, and you end up with a pretty big number. And this (laughs) is the this is the the slow incremental. Um, time that happens when you invest in PD, when you invest in your network, when you spend time getting to know and, and getting around other practitioners. And like I said, you know, if you're a solo practitioner and you're loving what you're doing, this 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 recording is not a message to you to say, no, that's not the right way. You need to do it differently. It's a reminder that there is other stuff. There's other ideas. There's different ways of doing things, different ways of looking at things. And I would just encourage everybody as much as possible to to build that network around you, even if it's not in a physical way, as in a, in a space with other practitioners. Build your network of, of people in your community. Beyond that, online, there's no there is no limit to reaching out to people. Like my mentor lives in the US. Like my business mentor lives in the US. Um, I, I went that far to find find the right person because I I knew that this guy knew what I had. He had what I needed. Right. So that's the person I go to. Um, If you've got some, if you there's there's literally no limit to reaching out to people now and there's no excuse for it. So it doesn't mean you have to work in the same clinic space as somebody. It it just means that you have to build a network around you in other ways. Uh, And so the solo practitioner really should be a thing of the past. Physically, you might be solo, um, but from a a support and community perspective, you don't have to work alone. Yeah.
1: And I think that's the benefit of, you know, when you go to, Professional development courses or conferences or whatever it may be, you know, you work with a few different people, you network with them, and then you know they're all in the same situation. They're, they're trying to learn more. Get a few people's numbers and say, hey, let's let's go over some techniques or let's catch up for a, um, you know some case studies or whatever. And you build a little little network of other professionals. And that's free. You know, you don't need to, to pay for that. But that's, you know, going forward over over the years, right, you might have met them in your second year of practice, but then 10 years down the track, you're all really experienced practitioners. Or, you know, now you know someone that owns this business or works for this sports team. And, you know, that's the importance of, of networking, generating opportunities. This industry, often you don't really apply for jobs or apply for certain opportunities with working with with big sports teams or big organizations, they're often, I know someone that's that's a good therapist or a good practitioner. I'm going to give them a call or you're reaching out to these people within your network. Um, and that's how you generate these these opportunities and 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 things grow from there. So the value in in just uh, some, some good quality networking um it really does uh, speak volumes and, and pay off in the long term.
0: Definitely. So I guess if we want to round out this discussion, that the advice is um, work solo if that's the best situation for you, but don't don't think solo, don't behave solo, don't don't uh, believe that you have to be an island, right? You, you, there's a bigger, wider world out there with lots of ideas and, and, and points of perspective that, uh, that maybe you haven't considered. Um, and if you feel like you'd like to learn from other people. And if you want to do that really effectively, then a multimodality clinic is a great way to do that because you're actually living in the space where all those ideas exist. Um, But I'd say also be picky, be selective, try to really put yourself in a situation to succeed. And working in in a large clinic with 30, 40, 50 other practitioners doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get those opportunities. It may mean you have to find a different clinic or it may mean you have to get in there and push for those opportunities. Be a leader, you know, uh seek out those networks, that, those conversations with other practitioners.
1: Yeah. And I think be curious is the is the best thing. It's the best way that we learn is, is through curiosity that sparks creativity. Um yep. you know, and and you don't need to be the best at everything, because if you look at these different networks, well, John needs some strength work. I need to find an SNC coach, so I'm gonna refer them uh to, to John because um, you know that then builds your network as well. Uh, it's not that you're getting rid of that patient, but that multimodal support of, of one patient is, is, is great. You know, refer to X, physio, massage therapist, whoever. You know, sometimes seeing a few different practitioners for uh, to, to, to help them uh, that's maybe not your strength in a particular area, then that's a great way to approach it. And the patient appreciates that as well. Um, I think some people when they're starting out as well they, they get a little bit worried that I don't want to refer this patient off because I don't want to lose the patient yeah well the patient often really appreciates that referral either if you if you don't have the, the skill or the knowledge to address it um, they they do respect that that you've recognized that um, but sometimes if you refer them off and say you know what I don't think that you're going to get the, the right benefits for me here's someone else well they're likely to see your strengths in that as well and they can refer people to to what your strengths are. So, um, yeah, it sort of it works both ways. You know, you create this good network and good referral network, then people will refer back to you, but patients will respect that and refer others to you as well.
0: Absolutely. The opposite of that I think is also true, Bo, which is where if you've got a greedy, fearful practitioner, someone who is afraid, like you're saying, of losing that patient, the patient's going to smell that. They will smell that a mile away. And that it smells bad. Like It's going to put them off, right? So if you are confident in yourself, like you're suggesting, confident in yourself and saying, look, I'm, I'm really good at this, but this thing that over here that you need in addition to this, I'm not so great, but I've got the person for you. He she down the road is going to do a great job. In fact, I'm going to contact them. I'm going to tell them all about your case. Assuming you give me permission to do so. Uh, and we're going to make sure that you're really taken care of. That level of care, that level of referral is worth so much to patients because they don't like starting from scratch, having to go through a you know through Google or the phone book and try to find the right person for them. They want that referral. They want to know that they spend their time and their money with the right person. And if you can do that all under the same roof with lots of other practitioners, brilliant. But don't assume that that's always going to be possible. You may need to you know, look outside and build the network, people that you trust
1: yeah that's right you know if you're always looking at something the same and and the patients not getting better you've got to recognize that early on refer them on for a different perspective and then you learn from that anyway because you go oh you know what yeah that's what they thought it was um i'm going to take that on board and ch- keep that in mind as a differential for next time so that will build your knowledge and experience as well
0: definitely yeah great all right i think there's some um, lots of little tips and things to pull out of that conversation there hopefully People listening or watching this uh, who will who find themselves, you know, either camp right. That's the options. You're either a solo practitioner or you work with other people. There's advantages and disadvantages to both, um, but you can absolutely um, take advantage of the situation or, or the the uh, the upside of that multimodality approach, regardless of which situation you find in, find yourself in, if you're strategic in the way you approach it. Uh, and I think that's the key thing.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.
1: Cheers.